Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. I'm again looking forward to today's chat with Aileen McCarthy. I met Aileen a couple of years ago now when we were doing a business coaching program with Tori Archbold. And Aileen's got a, Aileen's got a really interesting story to share and a really important message too. I want to find out about the changing career, but Elaine is a functional nutrition practitioner and she came to that part of the journey was through her own health, her own health challenges and where conventional medicine didn't help her. She then came on her own journey to kind of heal yourself and through that you've now being able to help other people on their wellness journey. So welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast, Aileen. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to spend some time with you and connect with you all. Yes. So just before we dive into a lot about your wellness journey and what you're doing now, if you can just help the listeners just to know what stage of life you're at, so where you're at in life. So I am 43 and I've got two kids. They are almost 13. So I was starting to get into teenagehood and my daughter is 10. Got a little puppy dog and a husband, obviously. And I live near the beach in Bronte in Sydney and obviously also running my own business. So yeah, it's busy times as most mums will relate to. Do you know, and a lot of the women I have on the podcast, not all of them, but a lot of them, are working, either running their own businesses or working for someone else and have families that they're managing and life is busy. I think there's that seems to be the thread of a lot of the women that I chat with. So you're living in Sydney, you're by the beach. I'm super, super jealous whenever I see you on social media and you're showing just where you're living. Have you always lived there? No, I was born in Germany and grew up there. I only came to Australia when I was 27, so definitely still appreciate the ocean and absolutely adore it. It's my daily dose of happiness, and whenever I feel in a bit of a funk, I just need to walk down to the beach and I immediately feel better. So I feel a deep gratitude to be able to live this sunshine and ocean life here in Sydney. That's Yeah, that's... That sounds absolutely beautiful. That sounds really beautiful. The ocean, I don't live at the ocean, but it's definitely my happy place. That's my goal to to be living that dream by the ocean. So whereabouts in Germany did you grow up? 
It's very close to the French border, hence why my first name is also a French name. And it's about, you know, for most people, it's about an hour and a half from Frankfurt Airport along the Rhine, the big river. And then when you cross the river with a little boat or over the bridge, you are basically in France. Black Forest is also nearby and it's a small town. So I'm a small town girl. It's a very beautiful region to go back to. And do you go back often? I try to go every second year. Obviously, COVID has stopped from going for a while, but I did go last year and I'm definitely going to go again next year. So, yes, I love Europe in general, just Europe. Yeah. And is your family still there? Yes, my whole family is still there. So what was family for you? Are you siblings? Do you have siblings? Yeah, an older brother and we grew up in the same house with my grandparents. So my grandparents lived downstairs and we lived upstairs and definitely my grandparents had a big garden. They loved growing their own food. They were Mm. of that war generation. They were children in the war and grew up with a lot of famine and uh, not enough food around. So their happiness was always having a massive garden with lots of tomato plants and lettuces and rhubarb and uh, fruit trees and making, conserving everything for winter and buying as little as possible from the shop. And that was actually a really beautiful way to grow up. And I would always come home and from school and and smell my grandmother's beautiful cooking and and baking that she would do every day. And I could always sneak in and check out if that food was maybe better than uh, my mum's food. And <laughs> it would usually be like grandma go in and, um, yeah, have some of her food as well or take it upstairs or just spend some time with them. So, yeah, and on all the other aunties, uncles, cousins all lived really close by as well. So it all felt very connected. Yeah, that sounds beautiful and it almost sounds like a different world away, but almost a world that we're getting back to in trying to be able to be less reliant on products like from, you know, shops and packaging and getting back to that wholesome living. It definitely showed me, you know, that love for soil, the quality of soil, quality of produce. I, you know, the, just remembering how tomatoes tasted, being tasted so fresh from the garden and also the pride that you take in, in having grown that, the health that obviously comes along with that and also, you know, the hard work, but also the joy that comes when you work hard, you get to bear, you know, you get to yeah, reap. Yeah, it's the reward, isn't it? You reap the reward. It reminds me, my grandmother grew up in the Depression and she lived in regional New South Wales and had a block of land where they grew their own produce as well. They're a huge veggie garden and she, everything was home cooked and she was just the queen of recycling back, you know, when we were growing up, when it wasn't cool to recycle, she was the queen of recycling because that's what she grew up. That's, they didn't have anything, so they needed to recycle. And yeah, and just those really beautiful, wholesome memories that, yeah, that's lovely, lovely. So how did you, so what was growing up like? So it was sort of that family, the community, the communal living, the simplicity. Did you have mum and dad? Yes. Living yes. There? Yeah. Were they working? Were they working parents? 
Yeah, both working parents. My mother was obviously more part-time when we were little, and then later she definitely worked full-time. So it was definitely also very convenient to have that grandmother still in the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He, he was a tailor, actually, so she always made people clothes from home. So even when she worked, she was obviously around, and it gave us that grounding that somebody was always there with an open ear anyway, even if the parents were out. But it also taught me from an early age that, you know, German women are raised to be very independent financially also. So there is a lot more equality or mm. has a lot more equality in the payment system, but also in, you know, maternal leave. Childcare is obviously extremely affordable in Germany, which really it isn't here in Australia. No, it's not, is it? No. Schooling is free. University is free. So it's, you know, it raises you as a woman to also be self-reliant and independent, but also to be able to go back to work without having huge amount of childcare fees and things, pre preventative things kind of attached to that. Because at one point here, when my kids were little, I paid so much in childcare that my whole earnings kind of went into childcare. And then you are juggling, you know, crying little children. They constantly get sick. Yeah. You also never feel like you're actually performing really well at work and you feel so frustrated because nothing is really the way you wanted it to be, but your your entire wage goes towards that childcare that your children kind of cry about and get sick all the time. <laughs> actually, it's really interesting, isn't it? I remember my kids were in childcare and they were in, and this is going back, they're 25 and 27 now. So this is going back a lot of years, but they were in for three days a week and there was a preschool system as part of the childcare. So they didn't go to the government preschool. When they left childcare, the kids went to a, a private school, an Anglican school. We were paying less for the private school than we were for three days childcare for the kids. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, isn't it? For, parents and just thinking about the impact that it has on you know families a lot of the time it's the women but the impact on the families about that added pressure so why can't we be more like Germany why can't we like a lot of the European countries seem to have it sorted or sorted better than us don't they yeah and they also get the dads to have really long yes. leave as well so again it can be a lot more of a shared responsibility yeah. And most of my male friends back in Germany, they really loved to get that extra time, a couple yeah. of weeks with the children, and they could take months when the baby was born, and then they would usually take whole months later when the baby was a little bit older, so they could actually go on a family holiday for a month together, and it gave them so much more connection to the baby And yeah, just feeling like they're part of the thing and not just the money earners because it's not really fair on the dads as well to have the time with the kids. So it's not okay for, for both sides, for the woman who has to, you know, sacrifice her career and also, you know, the sacrifices down the line when we start aging and we don't have the same supervision. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It's such a huge topic where, you know, I feel like in Australia, you have to be actually quite fearful of getting old as a woman and maybe not having enough retirement funding for yourself because it is a huge issue. Yeah, and it really is. So for all the politicians, I don't know if there are politicians listening, but listen and help, 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 help out. You went to uni in Germany? I studied engineering for media, so I then specialised in film and television and worked in that industry for a few years, but very unhappily so, which is why I then made the career switch to health eventually. <laughs> so how did you get into the engineering, the film, media engineering? How What was the process to get there if it wasn't a happy, was that something you oh. discovered that you didn't love it or...? Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, even as a small child, I would always uh, walk around and say, I'm going to be a doctor, but I'm not going to be a normal doctor. Mm. Remember that of feeling so certain about it. And people would always go, what do you mean? Not a normal doctor. <laughs> and I couldn't really explain it, but I would just say, you know, I'm not going to be like, what the other doctors are doing and I would always even in primary school I always signed up for whole food cooking classes when the other girls would go to horse riding wow. I whole food cooking classes and organic skincare make your own organic skincare classes so I was already really into you know not using toxic products and, and healthy eating from a very early age on, like year, you know, age seven or eight wow. in school. So it's quite funny looking back on that because, yeah, most of the other girls are playing tennis or doing something else, you know. <laughs> well, that's in, do you know what is interesting now? I'm listening to that going, that's interesting that you knew that you wanted to be a doctor but not a normal doctor and you had those interests. We, and I'm a number of years ahead of you, Whole food cooking or organic skincare wasn't even on the radar <laughs> when I went to school. I'm not sure whether I would have taken that, but maybe, but it wasn't even on the radar. So that's really interesting that there was that option for you, but it sounded like you were pretty determined. So how did you end up getting into engineering? Like, yeah, so, and I was always very good at school. You know, I graduated as one of the tops in the class. And so I had many options available to me. But by that time, you know, you're sort of a teenager and you want to do what's cool. I wanted to yeah. do something really fun and cool. And at the time, you know, it was all about media and communication studies. And I was also really good at languages. So I also actually, I did apply for a couple of communication studies that required two languages, but didn't get in. But I did get into the audiovisual media. And at the time, that was just really taking off. You know, funnily enough, it wasn't even, there wasn't even any social media or anything. Yeah, yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> But it just seemed like such an exciting upcoming thing, working in television and film and producing producing things. And I never struggled with being creative. So I guess I always imagined it to be a really creative work that would always be interesting and fun. And, yeah, that's what I applied for and got into. And, and, and I, I had a lot of fun studying it. Nearing part was the hard bit, but, you know, I got that ticked off and then you can move on to more creative things. But then, you know, the workplace is not really the same thing than when you study as you then uh, start to realise there's a lot of deadlines, a lot of pressure, a lot of 
working in dark rooms, which is not really that great, really, you know, working long hours and then eating unhealthy food, late night pizzas that get delivered to the workplace and but also there was a lot of bullying and just really bad company yeah. culture because there is so much pressure in the industry. And I guess I was just really too sensitive. I really feel people's emotion. Yeah. I'm really attuned to, you know, what's going on in the room and what other people are feeling as well. So I couldn't cope with the pressure really well and it really started to affect my health, you know, having these deadlines. And I guess for many years also not really making a lot of money. There's also once you graduate a lot of, you know, they an apprentice, they don't pay you as an apprentice. You're so lucky to be there at the film. Yeah. Yeah. Just so lucky to be there that you don't get paid and, you know, it kind of grinds you down. You end up doing jobs that are paid that you don't really love just so that you've money coming in for a while. And yeah, in the end, I just wasn't suited to, I mean, it's kind of bizarre now thinking that I even thought that industry was going to be any good for me. But it's interesting, isn't it, Elaine, Elaine, when you you have this vision, and it certainly would have met that creativity, that you said it was fun while you were studying and learning, but then it actually, doing the, the job was different. And that's often the case too, and we don't realise that until we're in those jobs, they, they they kind of sound a bit sexy. And then it's just like, oh, actually, the whole culture and things. I, like I do a lot of corporate coaching and that's one of the things that I find a lot of organisations that invest in their people and spend time, you know, achieving results but doing it through the people. They have positive cultures, but a lot of the organisations I work in have very, very negative and toxic cultures and it's just not pleasant. People get sick. They get physically sick, they get mentally sick, emotionally sick, and like you were saying, being really affected by, you know, the emotions of others and the environment that you're working in. Is that when you started to not get well or how? what was the journey there about your health? Yeah, definitely. I I got a chronic cough that, you know, nobody could, could explain. I had lots of gut issues. I had a lot of anxiety, obviously. I mean, all of that kind of, you know, looking back even in my 20s, I mean, you know, young people in their 20s party a lot at university, like none of that is <laughs> none of that is very healthy behavior and you don't sleep a lot and, you know, yeah, you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah. 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 But I had a lot of recurrent UDIs and thrush and anxiety and, you know, skin issues and stuff like that. And then by the time I was in the film industry, yeah, that constant anxiety just would give me diarrhea. And I remember one day, this was already here in Sydney, walking to work and, and kind of fantasizing about having an accident so I could have a break. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, did I really just think yeah. that I be injured so I can have a work break. <laughs> yeah. What were you that, doing? Let me let me backtrack a bit. How did you get to Australia? So Germany, what was the transition here? I'm going to come back and pick that little bit up, but just what's that transition to Australia? So one of my film contracts in Munich when I was working in Munich was finished because you always work for a movie, right? And once the movie is wrapped up, you kind of find the next yeah. project. 
And I, wa- I just kind of wanted to change. And I had a really good friend here from high school, actually, and she was living in Bondi. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to come and finally visit you because once you're in the next movie, there's no you more. You can't have time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're tight, locked in. So I was like, okay, let's have a break now, come to Australia, and maybe I can even find a job very easily there because I knew that For my professional development, it's always good if you work in international well, not just in German movies. And, yeah, I came here, obviously loved it, stayed with my friend and got a job really quickly at a Sydney production company. And, yeah, that's how I then found myself fantasizing about rather having an accident. And it was also kind of that feeling of this is going to be my last try in that industry. yeah. If it maybe, you know, it's going to be really different at the other end of the world. <laughs> and it wasn't. It and wasn't. it wasn't. And, and after that morning where I had that crazy thought about having an injury, I actually went to a higher level in the company and I addressed the bullying that was going on in the meeting. They basically said to me that they know uh, that person behaves the way that I described it. But because she delivers the results, it's accepted accepted and basically I have to toughen up if I want to stay in that industry was kind of the bottom line of the chat. And that's when I thought to myself, no, I do not want to basically become like that person and I don't want to toughen up and I don't want to, you know, start being mean to others because that's kind of the accepted standards and that's when I and I think my contract was ending a couple of weeks later so I then made a decision not to extend the contract even though they offered it mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that's when I started sleeping on people's couches at the <laughs> world because I only had my suitcase full of clothes and not much else and I was too ashamed to go back home and admit that I you know, I had completely failed and I also was kind of obviously enamored with Australia and the beautiful sunshine and ocean here and just thought maybe I can try and make it work for a bit longer. Wow. Gosh, that makes me, I'm not even going to go there, but that whole cultural stuff and letting people get away with those bad behaviours, that just really makes me angry around that because it's not okay. And there's so many people that still get away with that. But anyway, let's let's not go down that path. Um, so you made that. So it sounds very much like values. You know what you value in life was not being met through your work. And was that still was your health still suffering then, or like how did you transition into being a a doctor, a different type of doctor? Not really a doctor, but I no, I went into body work at the time because I already thought I was really old at the age of no, like twenty. <laughs> Something like that. I was like, I'm too old to study again. Now, in retrospective, I'm still studying. Yes, and I, I know. I'm going to talk to you about that. But yeah, I, I should have just bitten the bullet and done the proper thing. But I mean, body work was amazing. I also met my husband, who is an osteopath, and we then obviously got together and and made things work. And then also had children really quickly. Actually, also. And it was more sort of than that really condensed sleep deprived phase, you know, the breastfeeding, the not sleeping where I 
had uh, really chronic pain to the point where I couldn't stand up, couldn't sit up, couldn't walk. And that was kind of what created this downward spiral. So, and I know this is such a big issue where such a big time in in the life of where hormones change like crazy. They get no sleep. They don't have that Mm. village around them. Really help raise those children. We don't get the German system to support mm-hmm. you for childcare being affordable and all of that. So, so not to put the blame out there, but it's obviously a time in our life where a lot of women, unfortunately, get a diagnosis and they start feeling really unwell because if you already have something, you know, you're going into that time of your life not being ideal, then it can really be like too much for the body. And when the body goes, no, nah, I'm just going to put a stop into that and make you basically listen to me. You have to start listening and take a break. And that's basically when everything went really bad. Yeah, that I hear that so many times that and it's happened with me as well, that it's almost like we get these little niggles, we get these little niggles and we either try and push through it or we ignore it or a whole range of things. But then the universe is like, you really need to listen. So it'll throw something big at us that just makes us stop. And often that's a, some sort of a, yeah, something really severe. So that happened with you. That sounds really debilitating, that not being able to, just being in so much pain around that. So could you find answers to that or not? Yeah. And I mean, it was also horrible because, you know, I had these two tiny little yeah, beings to look after. Yeah. And- and I really wanted to look after them as well, but it just became so impossible. And um, then you end up in an endless kind of hamster wheel of appointments, surgeons, psychologists, different doctors, injections into the spine, like mm. all things. And you get more and more confused about what's happening to you. You try all of the different things. You'll put on more and more drugs and, and, you know, kind of nothing really helps. And you become more and more desperate to try and figure out what's going on with you. But nobody really coordinates it for you as well. So I, I just always remember that feeling of being so alone and having to understand between what the surgeon said and what the rheumatologist said and and then taking that information back to the GP but nobody really looking at the big picture and that you in the state that you're in that you have to be your own and you can't even do that can you you can't even do it because yeah that you can't even see through the weeds anymore so so that's definitely one of the things that I always you know, try to improve here in Australia as well, that we, we get more connected in, in the healthcare system as well, that, you know, people communicate better with each other so that our care is more comprehensive. But yeah, I didn't, I just got worse and worse and worse basically to the point where, yeah, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called rheumatoid arthritis. I was put on all the drugs um, and then weirdly, you know, after a couple of months on the drugs, I still had zero improvement, then went to more rheumatologists and they then basically said, oh, hang on, maybe the diagnosis wasn't actually correct. So it's highly frustrating and confusing. And then, you know, eventually, basically, the short of it is that I 
was on so many extremely strong drugs that I really went crazy, <laughs> um, sad to say, and I really hit rock bottom. And that's when I basically went, okay, can't get any worse than this. I'm still in, you know, all of this debilitating pain, despite all of this heavy drug cocktail and the heavy drug cocktail feels horrible. And I hated taking yeah, yeah. the drug because I was always more on the natural medicine side of things. And I, you know, I was so constipated from all of those codeine and the painkillers and I basically could not poop. And I was like, oh my God, this is all very horrible. And basically, yeah, I just had to, I, I was like, okay, none of this is working. I'm just going to stop taking the drugs. Mm. I'm not advising to people to no, do that. <laughs> Please don't go ahead and do that because that was actually really bad and I should have definitely done that under guidance. But, you know, <laughs> I'm so out of it. I was just like, I'm not going to take any of this anymore. This is mm. bad. And I had horrible withdrawal symptoms, which also – I never knew that you get so addicted to all yeah. of these drugs. It's really a another epidemic, all of these uh, painkillers and stuff. And you feel uh, so bad because I wasn't mentally addicted to them. I really hated taking them the entire time. So I was always like, what do you mean I'm addicted? I can't be addicted. I hate taking them. But my body. Your body I, had become dependent. Yeah. I had physical dependency and the only way it expressed itself was that I had more pain when I didn't take them so it was like I had to take more to take, yeah I hear that a lot that's it took me a couple of weeks and then actually I realized oh the pain isn't all that bad anymore half of my problem was being on his medication yeah. my body being in a constant sort of withdrawal and asking for more drugs and nobody had none of these doctors had told me and warned me of that. Or even monitoring kind of or as well. Gave me a prescription for another six months and basically were like, do not mm. come here is your endless codeine, here is your endless Lyrica, Tramadol, Endo and whatever you want to have, go and it's like if you want to set up for somebody with prescription medicine addiction, that's a good way to go. But yeah, and, and, and I obviously, yeah, I just weaned myself off, which was felt horrible. And, but that made me realize how, yeah, how actually I was already a lot better without the drugs or something. And I was able to poop again and a couple of, you know, my skin started clearing up. I had really horrible skin from, you know, not being able to poop and being on all these medications. So, yeah, and then I just had to, you know, find other ways, get strong again. I tried so many different modalities and obviously also started studying more into functional health, functional medicine, nutrition, natural medicine, all of those things. And that's really what makes me passionate into, you know, helping other women now that um, struggle with issues, that there is a lot of options. I'm not against conventional mm -hmm. medicine. All it helps us at a good point of time. We need it for crisis care. We obviously need it when we have a broken arm and all of those things, but it's not really fantastically set up for prevention care and it's not set up for chronic health issues. And we really have a, you know, epidemic pandemic of chronic health yeah. issues. Now, and, you know, that's where we get very little help. And I hear that very frequently from other women that they get very little help with more chronic issues. 
And so I want to open up the communication with doctors and, and healthcare providers because I feel like we can really work so well together. And I'm not against medication. Medication can also, you know, I really want women who have a thyroid issue to be on their thyroid medication, but then still work on the underlying issues so they're also supported more holistically from all sides. So I, I rather want... Yeah, the best healthcare system where we can all work together and get the best outcome for the patient rather than working against each other. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's really in alignment with where I'm on health and wellness is I think that there is a place for, I guess, the mainstream medicine and medications, but not to be reliant on them and to and the thing that you said there too, it reminded me, reminded me of my school days. I studied agriculture at school. I grew up in a country town and was never going to do anything to do with agriculture, but that was one of the subjects that I studied. And the teacher always talked about prevention is better than cure. And, you know, what can you do to prevent disease in the agricultural industry? But also thinking about that in my own life as well. What can I do to prevent? being unwell and unhealthy and things like that. So that really fits in with where I'm at. And I think that is probably when you were talking about as a kid being a doctor, but being a different type of doctor, it's about being in that health and wellness industry, but having that view where you're working together, not against each other. It's that complementary medicine. I remember I was seeing my GP for like regular checkups and she was away. So I was, I, I ended up seeing a different doctor and the different doctor was very, very anti anything that wasn't within her remit of, you know, that sort of mainstream medicine. And she was very, I felt very disempowered seeing that doctor. I would never, ever see her again. She was very disempowering around women's health. And it was just like, I, I need to take control of my own health and you're part of my health team, but that's not how she saw it. She saw it as I needed to do what she said. And if I chose not to, then I was wrong. That was an interesting visit. But anyway, going off tack. So what do you do now? What do you actually do in your business then, Elaine? Yeah, so as a functional nutrition practitioner, I basically, you know, take a really thorough history with the ladies where we spend a lot of time going all the way back to your birth where a lot of things can get started. And then we run some lab testing. So I really work with blood chemistry, obviously some gut testing and hormone testing and then we, you know, wait for those tests to come back and we really tailor a nutrition, lifestyle and supplement plan. And, yeah, I always give people the option. Yes, you can also take an antibiotic for this, but there's also different options. So yeah. it's for you what they want to choose to do. And uh, even if they want to take an antibiotic for something, I will completely support them with that because there's also still very great natural solutions yeah. like probiotics and things that we can do alongside the antibiotics to really make sure that, you know, the gut health is not completely destroyed. Yeah. And uh, their body accepts the antibiotics better as well. So it's not a, you know, 
a no, yay or <laughs> yay or nay kind of situation. Mm-hmm. It's really about giving women options and helping them to feel empowered in their choices and feel positive about the choices and really tailoring the diet, the lifestyle and the supplements to them and really discovering those hidden causes that are causing all of their yeah. symptoms. Yeah, I think that's the big thing about what are the hidden causes because sometimes the symptoms can kind of mask themselves and it's getting to that what what is the hidden cause underneath it all and, and addressing that, not just the kind of that superficial symptom around things. Yeah, we only see the tip of the iceberg, yeah. right? Look like migraines, fatigue. It might look like, you know, weight gain that's frustrating. It might just look like really heavy periods or painful periods, acne, you know, eczema, all of the different skin issues, constipation, bloating, mm. you name it, you know, and it seems really unrelated, but usually the bottom of the iceberg, the biggest part is really hidden underwater. And that's where we have to dig in and kind of discover with a lab testing and a really comprehensive. Yeah history how it's all connected and then remove some of the stresses like when we're talking about stress it's not just mental physical mental emotional stress which is obviously a big part Mm. for women juggling careers and children and uh, you know marriages and all of those things so for sure your nervous system and your stress plays a big part but other stress is you know blood sugar imbalances do you eat like too many carbs and sugar, it can be toxins from the environment. It can obviously be something like a virus coming in, can be, you know, having different gut issues. Like all of that is stress to your body. And we just try to remove some of that stress and trust that your body can have that innate intelligence to then restore and get back into balance. Yeah. yeah. You know, when they talk about the gut being the second brain, do you talk about that or not? Like I've heard, yeah, yeah what is that? What's what's that mean, that, that your gut is your second brain? Well, the gut has a lot of neurons, many more neurons that most people are aware of. So it's got its own intelligence. It's also about seven houses, 70 to 80% of your immune system, also a really big amount of your lymphatic system. So it's really the second hub in your body. Yeah that communicates with the whole rest of your body. And so that's why I love working with it. I also really believe in this beautiful microbiome that we still don't know that much about, actually, and is still being discovered so much more, which is an exciting field of research. But these microbes that live on us and inside us that really communicate and shape our health that we that's our connection to our mother earth and and the microbes in our soil so i always like the healthier our soil and our earth is the healthier we are and it creates this beautiful reconnection to us being part of our nature and environment and not seeing us as separately so it's a beautiful holistic view yeah i love that holistic view i love the holistic view what are some quick tips for listeners to I guess look after their and there's been a lot that you've mentioned already but maybe some things that people can do to either look after their gut more just preventative things or just general health and wellness 
And I know that that's a very long, like there's so many things, but just maybe a couple of quick tips that they could take on. So a lot of the things are much more simple than we we want to hear. We often skip the simple things and want to go straight to what's the hottest new supplement trend. You can, the supplement industry is obviously massive and they always want to sell you something. But I always go back to us again being part of our natural environment. So you spending more time outdoors you automatically improve your gut health because it's that outdoor microbiome. You having a pet, not over-sterilizing your kitchen or your environment. If you're spending time outdoors, you're going to have more sun exposure, more natural light exposure, which regulates your circadian rhythm. And we know that if your circadian rhythm is out of whack because we spend too much time on screens and late at night, we, you know, we're still on exposed to all of this artificial light. We know that the gut microbiome is impacted and every single cell in your body gets dysregulated because it has a circadian clock. So with the simple fact of waking up with the sun, getting early morning sun exposure, going outside, preferably walking barefoot or really interacting with your environment, maybe having a swim and getting that ocean microbiome. Yeah up your sinuses, you already really changed your microbiome. And the other one is obviously stress reduction because we know um, that that constant rushing state is not going to help you digest your food. It's going to shut down your digestive juices. And in the long term, we know it's linked to worse health outcomes. So having a meditation practice, even if it's just a minute or two of breathing meditation or something like that that you can implement even when your kids are little or you're having to manage several human beings in your household is always possible and doable. So I always like to give tips that are not too big of an option. If I tell people to meditate for half an hour, they probably won't do it. No, I find the same too when I'm talking with people, it needs to fit in with their lifestyle and it needs to be kind of steps for them to be able to take. And quite often the, the I was going to say simpler, but maybe it's not simpler for people, but they are simple kind of practices. Sometimes people just want the big, new, shiny, whatever. But if we get back to basics, it's almost like when you were talking at the beginning about that lifestyle of living with your parents and your grandparents in rural Germany that that's you know it's a nice simplistic lifestyle but more of that wholesome lifestyle before we end what has the pandemic COVID where everybody's sterilizing everything you know how you were talking about you know not over sterilizing what impacts that have where everybody's using hand sanitizer a million times a day that would be a very interesting study to conduct Mm. and think anyone did any studies on that because they don't want to point their fingers at it. But also, you know, there were obviously lots of other studies to be done into the virus and the vaccine, stuff like that. But I, from what we know, what a lot of these products contain extra phthalates and toxins that really harm our hormones and our microbiome. We know that from plenty of other studies, so I would say the effects have probably been quite devastating and I really tried not to do that over it as much as I could. And also I 
you know, I we know that the mental health effects and all of that, like yeah. it, it was a terrible time. We do know it. It's, it's affected us and it's, it's affected us for generations. Mm. I think the sterilizing and, you know, over-managing the hygiene is, is one of the aspects that contributes to that long-term health effect. But I don't think I've seen any studies on it, but it would, would have been a very interesting. It'd well, be interesting. And there's so many other things like we won't even go there. But I know when my kids if we talk about it more because we had to do it you know we had to do it yeah that's right that's right I just know with that sterilizing with my kids growing up sure we had hygiene but they would be out in the mud they would be you know playing I remember my daughter sitting in the dog food bowl you know with the dogs licking her and feeding the the dogs their food and yeah I know my other people in my immediate surrounds were a little bit horrified and they were over over sterilizing and stuff but anyway 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 that isolation that we all experienced in being isolated from human beings which is against our nature but also every time you hug somebody you share their microbiome and we we didn't have any of that so yeah it's be interesting that'll be interesting where can our listeners find you where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at The Wellness Witches. And my website is called thewellnesswitches.com.au. And I obviously also hang out on LinkedIn, just my name, Aline McCarthy. And all the details will be in the show notes for people there. Gosh. Oh, and one other question I did want to ask, Elaine. Can people see you online or is it in-person practice? Yeah, definitely. I see people online all across the world. So that's one of the good things that COVID has brought us. Yeah. It's up this amazing online world. And obviously, we can just do a virtual consult. I can order the gut testing and hormone testing in 25 different countries. It gets shipped to your house. You just scoop some food and send it back to the lab so it's all super convenient. You don't even have to leave the house for any of it. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate that. And listeners can definitely find you in the details in the show notes. So thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks. And if anybody just, oh, Boston, my dog, is just decided that he's, I think the postman might be here. So that's probably a good time to to leave. I was just going to say if anybody would like to join the Happiness Hive newsletter, jump over to my website, so happiness-hive.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and you can sign up to the newsletter and I have lots of of tips and things there as well. So thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me and our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.